Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, crappy quiz and a slight tangent. It's incredibly useful and why not do it just because you think it's agricultural. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, before we get into this, obviously you've just heard a clip from the football pod there with uh, James and Paddy and Tommy. The football pod is in partnership with AIB, Proud Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships. Uh, Proud sponsors, check out the hashtag the toughest for more. Quite enjoyed the background music to the commercial reads, I thought it it added something. Certainly is uh, more interesting. Uh, Everyone's favourite part of the week, Jer, around the world. As we all know by this stage, even Adrian Barry's come on board uh, and uh, starting to embrace it for what it uh, is. It's fake news. It's fake news. <laughs> you can be the, the grumpy old man this week if you want. Oh, um, no, I'm not. I'm not grumpy about this at all. Not at all. Uh, we're going to start in Canada. Uh, so we, we heard a little bit earlier on. Katie McCabe was wearing the the One Love armband for the match. This, of course, being the infamous One Love armband that um, Harry Kane and uh, a number of other captains at the recent World Cup in Qatar refused to wear or decided not to wear for fear of picking up a yellow card um, but the Canadian women's team wearing purple shirts uh, displaying the words enough is enough as a protest ahead of their She Believes Cup match recently against the United States you can see a, a statement up on the screen there from uh, from the players tonight our players will be, will be wearing purple as a symbol of protest purple has historically been associated with efforts to achieve gender equality considering the current circumstances our players will continue to wear purple until our association has standards in place that ensure equal treatment and opportunity this is a bit of a trend that seems to be drumming up across football associations around the world uh, so complaining about the level of funding essentially from Canada soccer in comparison to the men's team and when you look at the Canadian women's team they've been I mean world beaters over slightly more successful than their men uh, just a little bit just a little bit and of course the men getting to the World Cup and having a bit of success in, in December but the women's team have been there done that and clearly had the, the consistency level so they had uh, a 2-0 defeat to the US and Florida of late players from both teams in fact wearing purple tape as well on their wrists uh, the CSPA, the Canadian uh, Association, then releasing a statement uh, from the players saying Canada Soccer told us that they consider our job action to be an unlawful strike and that, quote, if we did not return to work, they would not only take legal action to force us back to the pitch, but would consider taking steps to collect what could be millions of dollars in damages. So a bit of a PR uh, disaster for the CSPA and uh, this whole incident, the fact that the US team supported them as well and wore those purple wristbands, kind of emphasising the need for, for action on this one. Uh, Christine Sinclair, one of the one of the players, tweeting at the time as well. To be clear, we're being forced back to work for the short term. This is not over. We will continue to fight for everything we deserve, and we will win. The she believes is being played in protest. So they could have, of course, pulled out of this game, not decided to play, uh, decided not to play the game against America, and had a bit of an impact that way. But they decided, no, we're actually going to play the match and protest in that regard, and and have our purple shirts and and purple wristbands, and and bring a little bit of attention to it. And I think that was probably the right move in the end. They've you know, inadvertently brought more, I guess, heat on the CSBA and, and the Canadian um, Association, the Canada Soccer, saying Canada Soccer has heard the women's national team players has committed to a path to addressing each of the demands made by the players. But Canada Soccer knows that is not enough. There is still work to do. So a bit of a climb down based on the protest. Yeah, and uh, I suppose that's the whole point of uh, protests. They're supposed to work. Um, uh, Shane, I, I do have a question. That, yeah, here we go. Why, um, why didn't you, why didn't you bring us report slash footage? Sometimes we're allowed to use footage in this slot and sometimes, sometimes. we're not. Just, um, again, revealing a bit too much information there. But uh, I see there's some footage on your own Instagram account. Oh, right. Oh. Here I am. 
it's me on the right hand side. It's obviously a training game because you're wearing the same shirts. That's a bit of a dirty kick. Uh, no, Kutil or sorry, Calvin Town are wearing green. You can't really tell. We have a turquoise blue sort of top. No, they're the same. The point of this, and you're going to have to play this again. But get away shirts. What? A, get, like someone needs to wear white. The point of this, right? What colour are you, lads? We're blue. What colour are you? Kind of greeny blue. Okay. What about the colour blind? With all due respect, like the, the lighting was quite poor in in the video. I, I can promise on the pitch. So the I obviously passed the ball there. That's Hannah with the ball, this hiding t- on the right wing. That tackle was late. You can hear the you can hear the crunch. But that's the point, Jeremy. I went over to him, made sure he was okay. Not once, not twice. But when he stands up again, here's a little. Yeah, you all right, man? Yeah, you're grand. You see, I, he was the the right back for Cavan, and we had had a bit of a chat at the start of the second half, waiting for the game to start restart. And we kind of had a little bit of a bonding session. Oh, you're a matey chat. So yeah, I didn't actually know that. You're not the killer. You need to be there. No, I still scored in that match, and we won four three. So that that's that's all that matters, Jer. So you're faking it with him, like, oh, I tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll kill him with pretend, kindness. Pretend to be friends, and then I'll I'll, I'll kill him with the tackle. Just, you got to distract them. I, I got to say though, the the can we just roll this one more time? You don't actually touch him. Listen, listen though. You'll hear the crunch. Well. Oh, it's a little bit of a kick. He he hits the ball. That's dive. the sound you're hearing. You know what? I, I'm going to get on board with you here, Jerry. Dive. He dived. They didn't touch him at all. Calvin divers. Sorry, lads. You need to change a kit. Someone needs to sponsor. Calvin Town or Monaghan Town? Actually, yeah, Monaghan Town. We're, we're more than willing to. to it's Monaghan Town versus Calvin Town. It should be like the the greatest BV. It should be Springfield versus Shelbyville. Oh. Like really, nobody knows anything about these two towns, and they're not even the best, most important towns in the own counties that are named after them. Well, to me, Monaghan Town is the most important town in the world. But we were two one down at half time. We got we were three two down then, then as well, Jaron. Late on, Real Madrid esque. Yeah, it was very good comeback. So glad that around the world took us all the way to Calvin as well for. Uh, hey, for look, all spot. politics is local. Exactly. Um, so thank you and uh, yeah if anyone wants to sponsor Mon in town for, for New Jersey's or a pitch feel free we're always looking we're going to go next from Calvin to Australia Bathurst Australia to be precise uh, this was quite a, a tough watch in the video we're not going to play the video but we'll have a few stills for you so Latessin Betgide was the pre-race favourite in a world cross-country race so not exactly a small race it was very very important finishing line in sight Ethiopian looking like she's going to win the gold with ease and then metres and I mean metres from the tape the 24 year old falls and in the blink of an eye it's gone so that's the moment at which she falls it's almost like her legs collapse um, really disappointing moment people try, then try to help her up it was a spectacular conclusion and then of course it's a Kenyan behind her to, just to uh, rub salt in the wounds because of course the Kenya-Ethiopia battle always very very uh, intense at cross country level she was helped over the line as you can see there that image by some Ethiopian um, officials but uh, Beatrice Shebed then overhauling Gide with an impressive final kick uh, so it was the uh, Gide is a well known athlete as well she's a, um, a top athlete in her own right but Shebe is the world 5000 metre silver medalist sprints towards her overtakes her and uh, to make matters worse Gide who falls over she's the reigning world uh, 10,000 metre champion by the way she was disqualified so that last photo you saw of outside assistance from the uh, Ethiopian officials uh, and the supporters as well jumping the fence to assist her leads to her disqualification so even when she does eventually cross the line it's uh, it's pointless she's disqualified Instagram post then she puts up after the race she says I'm doing well thank you for all the messages I will be back uh, be Back. Today was a good race with a sad ending for me. Let's take the good forward to the future. Uh, Michael Johnson, the Olympic great as well, getting involved in this. He tweeted afterwards saying, Wow, heartbreaking for Latessa and Bed of the World Cross Country Champs, literally just metres from the tape. The, uh, the moral of this story, Jer, from this story in Australia, it's never over until it's over. No matter what sport it's in, whether you're 3 2 down to Cavan Town with 10 minutes to play or you're in a, in a World Cross Country final, 
it's never over till it's over. So uh, one of the lessons from around the world this week. Our next segment in Around the World, we're going all the way to the Alps. This is a bit of a concerning story, Jerry Guess, and to uh, bring my inner Johnny Ward, climate change warrior, to the show this morning. Uh, but this is very much a story that's that's concerning. Top skiers have signed a letter to the International Ski and Snowboard Federation, which are the FIS, demanding action over the climate emergency. There's a depressing stock photo of uh, melting snow on um, ice uh, ski abs, and there's another stock photo of a. Uh, a snowman, very sad-looking snowman, melting with a, a pot on his head. Uh, but a notable lack of snow in uh, this uh, skiing season that's currently ongoing across Alpine resorts. Holidaymakers disappointed. Uh, some ski tournaments have been called off as well. So no more guaranteed snow at the top of some of these um, uh, uh, ski resorts. A lot of pl- places are moving their ski season to be changed to keep up with climate breakdown. They've suggested shifting it from the start of the season uh, from late October to late November and the end of the season from mid-March to late April. So uh, the Norwegian racer, Alexander Amod Kilda, has been speaking on this. He said, we see that the world is changing. We also see the impact of our sport. I want the future generations to experience winter and to be able to do what I do. This is a letter signed by 200 athletes, by the way, so it's it's no small fry. Um, and it really is an issue that uh, is, is taken... A lot, turning a lot of heads. So the Alps, just to put this into context for uh, viewers and listeners, the Alps experienced record high temperatures over Christmas and New Year, 20.9 degrees Celsius in northwest Switzerland. Uh, so besides measures to reduce their own emissions, a lot of these resorts are planning ahead for a time when, when skiing is no longer viable. Even low-altitude resorts as well in Europe, snow depth is shrinking by 3 to 4 centimetres every 10 years which is a mad rate of uh, disappearance. And then you've got the glaciers disappearing as well, which uh, is not helping. Uh, 2017 studies saying the Alps could lose up to 70% of their snow cover by 2100. So this is an issue that's not going away anytime soon, Jarp, but uh, one I just wanted to raise on Around the World this morning. Finally, we're heading to Canada again, Toronto, Canada. And uh, this is quite a, a lovely story because it had a happy ending. The Toronto Blue Jays manager, John Schneider, saving a woman's life after he saw her choking in a restaurant, the team announcing on social media. A lovely story. A lovely story. Well, it, it had a happy ending. You'll see the statement there from the Toronto Blue Jays. Manager John Schneider was out at lunch with his wife when a woman at another table was choking and couldn't breathe. Schneider rushed to her aid, performed the Heimlich manoeuvre and saved her. Just another day in the life, as they say in their statement. He's 43, uh, a life-saving response. A big lad as well, six foot three. He says he learned the manoeuvre in school. This is what I wanted to bring this up for. So he says, I learned it about sixth grade, hadn't thought about it since. So it was like, I think I remember how to do this. I'm a bigger guy, so I think that helped a little bit. But no, I hadn't thought about the Heimlich manoeuvre since grade six. So both parties returned to their meals. His reward for saving her life was a free beer. So there's your beer for uh, for saving her life. Uh, he says he wasn't looking for a pat in the back. Uh, his wife, John Schneider's wife, said uh, he was so calm reacting to the incident so it happened in downtown Dunedin about two weeks ago she said he gracefully gets up doesn't panic the way he held this cool you would have thought he was managing a wild card game it was so graceful do you know the Heimlich manoeuvre I mean I've seen it on TV you yeah, like put your hands under the lungs and you something along those lines that's the physical technical term so that, that is a very uh, visceral and dynamic uh, interpretation of what it is Henry Heimlich this is this is why I wanted to bring this up so he, there's Henry Heimlich on the left of the of the, of the uh, photo there I would have said I would have said that guy was like 1800s yeah I know he's still alive no he's not still alive oh but this Jesus is, that would have been the best news of the morning sorry that's a good news story the man who invented the Heimlich manoeuvre this he's is, still alive this is what I wanted to bring this up for Henry Heimlich was born in 1920 and died in, in uh, 2016 so he only oh, died nice. six years ago right Jesus he, it, so in 1974 I think they would have made more of him when he was dying I know like, here lad this, this guy's literally I didn't hear about he, this 
Anyway. So in that photo, yes, he was old. He was 96 in that photograph. In 1974, he created this life-saving manoeuvre, and the American Medical Association gives it his name after Henry Heimlich. Uh, he was eating a steak on that day of that photograph at 96 in his final year in 2016 in the dining room of the Dupree House, which is a senior living community in Cincinnati, Ohio, where he was staying. And this woman next to him starts to choke. Ah, oh, no way. And he says uh, she had all the signs of it because, as I say, her lips were puffed out. She obviously wasn't breathing. A uh, hundred diners looking on. He stood up at 96 years of age, spins the victim around, launches into his namesake, uh, namesake technique, places around, you, you described it yourself, what you have to do. He says um, he's, he's demonstrated the manoeuvre many times throughout his career as a chest surgeon, but that was the first time he ever had to use it in, hey. a, in a matter of life and death. At 96, himself only a few months away from his, from his own death. Uh, apparently it saves more than uh, 50,000 lives in the US alone every year, the Heimlich manoeuvre. So a lovely end to the whole story. So the Toronto Blue Jays manager, the good news story, and Henry Heimlich, uh, RIP, who performed the manoeuvre for the first time. In his own in his own final year. What a lovely story, Jer. Again, justified the existence of the slot just at the end there. Well done. There you go. That's this week's. Until next week. <laughs>